0: To have you here today. We want to stand together. We want to celebrate all that God has done in this previous year and look forward to what God is going to do in 2016. We want to call down His presence into this place and join together in praising His great name. praise there is no life without our God
1: there is no life without you you have all Close, God.
0: save our God has set us free from my captivity
2: your hand is strong
0: to save you split the sea the raging seas,
1: you crush our enemies, your hand is strong to speak. Lord is mighty Oh,
0: again welcome to Hopevale we're excited you have chosen to join with us this day this new year and uh, we're excited for what God is going to do uh, today and beyond but before we get to that we want to be welcoming so why don't you grab the hands of a few people around you wish them a happy new year and welcome this morning All right, you can go ahead and have a seat. We're excited you have joined us today. Um, We've got a lot coming up, and uh, Pastor Dan is going to share most of that in just a few minutes. Um, uh, But before we get to that, uh, again, we're excited that you have chosen this place to worship, to celebrate all that God has done. We're excited to have come out of this Christmas season celebrating the birth of Jesus onto this earth, and all that means for each and every one of our lives um, and we're excited to see what God is going to do as He continues to build His kingdom here on this earth. Um, but we want to worship through singing. We want to worship through um, our hearing the word and uh, praying, and we're going to do all of that. Uh, this is our time as well, though, where we worship through our giving. We're going to take our offering right now. Our ushers are going to come forward, and I will pray as we enter into this time. God, we thank you for all that you are. We thank you for. Um, The truth, some that we have just sung, that you are strong to save us. There's nothing that can separate us from your love. And we thank you for the birth of your son, Jesus, to to save us and to cover over our sins. And we thank you for how you provide for our everyday needs. You give us our daily bread, and we thank you for that. And we respond through our worship, through our praise. This is the time we respond through our giving We pray you take this and you use it. Use it to build your kingdom here on this earth as it is in heaven. We want to see your name lifted high and made known um, from here and beyond, even to the ends of the earth. We love you and thank you through your son, Jesus. Amen.
2: my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord.
0: For this year, that we'd be filled with your spirit, with your presence. As we go into this new year, this new time, we pray that you would help us through. You would guide us. You would lead us. You would be the first in our day, in our hearts, in our lives. That we would take that truth to heart that if we seek you first, all else will be added. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for preparing the way and spirit. Thank you for leading us when we don't know how to go forward on our own. We love you through Jesus Christ.
3: I appreciate that song, and Matt, I appreciate that prayer, because as we were singing that song, I thought, what a great prayer to take with us into the new year, not only here at the church, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, but as you leave this place and go to your homes, go to your workplaces, go to your neighborhoods, to just say, Holy Spirit, in my life, you are welcome here, and however you want to use me, however you want to work through me, God, that is it. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, Lord, so lead me in that way. Well, here we are. It's a new year. 2016 has arrived. Trust you've had a great break. Has that worked out well for you? Just a little time off, and for some of you, maybe an extended weekend, and now the dread, right, of going back tomorrow and actually taking showers and wearing real clothes and not sweats and all that right yeah i know so looking forward to it and today you know i want to talk with you just about what we as a church can look forward to in this coming year and then also how that impacts us as individual followers of jesus christ but before that i um thought we'd look back at christmas eve before we close the book on 2015 and just make a couple comments about our christmas eve services here at hopel first just the services now Maybe I'm biased, but I felt like these past Christmas Eve services just might have been our best ever. I mean, really, things came together so well, yeah. The worship, the singing, just the engagement. Everyone who was there, every service, just saying their hearts out, the scriptures, the candles, the returning of the candles. I mean, all of it, you guys did Great. Now, numbers-wise, between the four services combined, this is the auditorium, the family venue, the additional seating area, and the 200 wing, we had a total of 4,257 people worshiping with us that day, which is easily the most we've ever had on Christmas Eve, and that doesn't even include what was going on in children's ministries, and they had another 127 children over there. I mean, that is just incredible to me. We had... You know, created those invite cards and it tells me that, you know, you were reaching out, because even beyond the numbers, I heard a lot of stories. A lot of great stories of people, whether from your invitation or just showing up, who have never been in church or it's been a long, long time since they've been in a church and they came here. And I have no doubt that as they sing these songs of worship to God, as they heard these Stories of wonder about Jesus that the Lord is going to use those in their lives to draw them to Himself. And so, just you know, on behalf of really the entire staff of Hope, I want to thank you for being a part of that. Just as a church family, being part of that wonderful day, and really extend a special thanks for many of you who served on Christmas Eve, and to help make that happen. There were several involved in all sorts of capacities, the worship team, the tech team, children's ministries, uh, welcome ministries, the facilities staff, the medical team, the security team, the coffee team, the food team. So many of you gave of your time, your talents, to bless others in the name of Jesus. So thank you for being a part of that. It's certainly, you know, one of the biggest days of the year around here, and uh, it takes a team. It takes a lot of people serving and being willing to just give up their time and, and to serve others in the Lord. So thank you for that. And then second, I also want to tell you about our Christmas Eve offering, that through the four services, the surrounding two Sundays, as well as the online gifts, our Christmas Eve offering total this year was 161967 That by far, uh, is another all-time high for us. I mean, every year we do this thing, and I think, you know, the like, guy of great faith, yeah, this is certainly the year it's going to tank. I mean, I just don't know, you know, how we can keep going like this. I mean, that is incredible. And as I, you know, shared on Christmas Eve, it tells me that you as a church get it. You add that to our previous cumulative total throughout, now we're into like 660-some thousand. And, you know, as Pastor Adam and I were talking all throughout last month, you know, it's exciting to think both just how, you know, the Christmas Eve offering of 2014 was used this past year, and and so often it's done through you, right, and, and the serving, and the giving, and the helping that you're doing, and so we come now into this year going, okay, God, what do you have in store for us? How do you want to use us? How do you want to use us to be a blessing to people outside the four walls of this church, both locally and globally, all in the name of Jesus? So that's exciting to think about, you know, as Jesus who said, you know, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done unto me. And so as you gave, maybe with that, God is saying, I've got something for you. And so I I hope all of us can just come into this year with open eyes, with open hearts, with open hands, willing just to be used by God. Well, between this news along with last week's year in communion service, that was a great way to put a bow on 2015, but now as we turn the page to this New Year, we find ourselves in 2016, right? And while a new year always brings plenty of unknowns, here are a few things I do know we can expect in 2016. 2016 is a leap year, right? So we get one extra day. All right. 2016 is also a presidential election year, so we will get plenty of extra political commercials. All positive, I am sure, right? 2016 is a Summer Olympics year. This year it's being held in Rio de Janeiro. And then, staying on the theme of sports, 2016 is also the 50th anniversary, one of our nation's biggest holidays. The Super Bowl! That's right. 50 years. And for the 50th straight year, our beloved Detroit Lions will not be participating (laughs) in that game. I mean, you know, really, regular season isn't even done, and we already know that as a fact. As a matter of fact, you go back to 50 years, I think it's the Lions and the Cleveland Browns who are around since the Super Bowl began, the only two teams that have never played in the Super Bowl since the beginning. Few things to think about for 2016, but as we turn our attention to the new year, um, I thought today I wouldn't go down the usual roads of resolutions and change and what are you going to do different, but I thought rather I'd get us to think about our priorities, right, our focus, about keeping the main thing the main thing. See, when it comes to a new year, we so often fall into the trap of looking for that magic bullet, that missing piece that we're going to discover this thing we have never known or done before, and it's going to completely turn our life around. That the reason we weigh too much, don't have enough money, aren't in a relationship, or are just generally discontent is because we haven't stumbled upon some hidden secret to success. Now I suppose there are those times when there's a convergence, right? Our needs and the right timing and a certain solution, they all come together and it makes a difference that actually sticks around for the long haul. But more often than not, I think the missing piece that we're looking for isn't so much about discovering something new as it is refocusing on something we already should have known, but somehow we lost sight of it along the way, that we were distracted, that we got too busy, and that this basic, essential truth just became less of a priority for us, or we stopped doing it altogether. And I think that's true in a lot of areas in our lives, including the spiritual side of our lives and matters of the heart. Now, we see this idea of trying to keep the main thing the main thing in Scripture over and over again, especially with Jesus, where with much of his teaching, you know, if you really study what Jesus taught, it's not so much that he is coming up with these new and novel truths as much as he was reminding people of what God had already said. He just restated it in very clever ways many times. And so Jesus would just keep pointing people back to what they knew or what they should have known. And so you see this on display in one of the most well-known passages from the gospel, Matthew 22. It's a time when Jesus is being asked a lot of questions by people, sometimes as a way to trick him, but other times just as a way of genuinely seeking out answers. And so in Matthew 22, verse 35, we read this, One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, when you see the word law in the Bible, it usually refers to the rules and regulations and commands that God had given to his chosen people during Old Testament times. The law revealed God's perfect will for mankind, providing them a compass in the midst of moral confusion. So in addition to the Ten Commandments, there were many other commands and prohibitions that God's people were to follow, and that by doing that, they would experience the richness of life that he had intended for them. That was the plan. However, through the course of time, there were many other man-made religious laws that were added by rabbis and teachers. And by the time you then get to the life of Jesus, things are so out of control, it gets to the point where there are now 613 different commandments that a devout person was supposed to obey. 613. And so with all that complexity going on, you can see why this one teacher of the law, is looking for clarity and focus, although in testing Jesus, maybe this man's motives were less than pure. Nevertheless, he asks the question, teacher of all these 613 commandments, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so Jesus responds, again, not by making up something new, pulling it out of thin air, but rather by pointing them back to what God had already revealed and reprioritizing what should have been at the top of their list. Verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. There it is, Jesus' answer. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, is the first and greatest commandment. And this appears to be the end of the story, but Jesus doesn't stop there. Verse 39, and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you take these two, verse 40, and all the law and the prophets, that's just another way of referring to scripture, they hang on these two commandments. I know I've said this before about this passage, but. Do you notice how Jesus really doesn't answer the question? He doesn't. The man asks for one single greatest commandment, and what does Jesus do? He gives them two. Two, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Two commandments, not one, right? So what gives? Well, Jesus didn't respond that way because he was wishy-washy or couldn't quite make up his mind. No, Jesus tells us that the greatest of God's commandments is to both love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself why because these two are inextricably tied together that you really can't have one without the other love god and love your neighbor it is a combo platter you can't go a la carte on this one jesus says and so when you put them together they make up what jesus says is the greatest commandment the number one priority that god has for us two directions one affection love Now, my guess is that if you've been around church for a while, you already know this. You know it. But maybe for you sometime over this past year, you lost sight of it. Other things captured your attention, preoccupied your mind. Not that it's unimportant to you. It just got lost in a pile of a lot of other priorities that have crowded it out. And so just like Jesus, my heart for you today and for this year, really, for me, for us, just as a church, is that we would be reminded of what Jesus says is most important, that we would focus, refocus, on what we already know to be true, that above all else, our primary pursuit, this and every year, needs to be one of love, loving God and loving others. And the Bible says elsewhere that we are to love God and love others just as God in Christ has first loved us, right? We love because he, Jesus, has first, loved us. So love is not this obligation to fulfill, but it is an overflow to express. So that when we love, we are just simply giving out of the abundance of this lavishly expressed love and grace and mercy that God has already poured out and continues to pour out through his Holy Spirit into our hearts, So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, because it is the same all-out, holding-nothing-back kind of love that God has given to you and me through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you and I can experience that kind of unconditional, unrivaled, unending love of Jesus, then we cannot help but then turn around and express that back to God and to our neighbor. Is this passage new and novel? Hardly. But is it vital and essential? Absolutely. And so for this new year, whether it's us needing to get back on track, to stay on track, whatever it is, the greatest commandment is the place we need to start. And so it's in that same spirit then that I... I want to switch gears, and I want to spend some time talking about what's coming up for us as a church as we head into the new year, and specifically, there are three different highlights in these first couple months that I want you to be aware of, and so we're going to look at these together, and then I'll wrap up with a couple final thoughts about what it means for us as a church and for you specifically in 2016. The, the first highlight I want to tell you about has to do with money, money, that a central theme for us in the month of January as a church, is going to be this whole area of money and wealth and possessions. Now, if you have been around Hopeville for a while, you know that we often, not always, but we often take maybe a Sunday or two in January to see what the scriptures have to say about money. And we do so because the fact is the Bible addresses this topic often and provides us with some great wisdom and so we're going to do that again this year but in 2016 we are really taking this approach to another level and and there's several reasons why i mean first of all this is an area that touches all of us here right male female young old poor rich somewhere in between single married widow divorce that what we do how we think about money speaks to everyone But then second, money also touches on what we just looked at in the greatest commandment, Matthew 22. It does. As a matter of fact, Jesus says elsewhere that when it comes to us loving God, the temptation of loving money is the number one rival that can steal away our affection. That whether we have a little or a lot, money can easily replace the one true God as the master that we serve. But then on top of that, our heart toward money can also make the difference in whether we love others well or we love them poorly. Well or poorly, right? And so when you talk about money and you learn about it from God's point of view, it really isn't just about money. It's also about love. It's also about our priorities in life. And so we want to come at it from that perspective. And to do so, we are going to take a three-tiered approach that we're launching this month that I am really excited about. I can honestly say that I don't think we've ever tackled the subject of money around here so thoroughly like this, and I believe that the more you get involved with it, the more encouragement and change you can see in your own life to do that. So what are these three different tiers? Well, uh, when you walked in, there are cards on your seat. Again, these are for you. They're also, if you want to share them as well, but on um, the green graphic, you know, our first is just the first tier is a sermon series that we're going to do beginning next Sunday, simply entitled Money 101. We're kicking off this four week series that's going to look at the basics, right, when it comes to money and the Bible. Just the basics, you know, nothing terribly profound or complex like hedge funds or trading futures or anything like that. Just foundational building blocks for all of us to learn about putting into place, you know, God's principles and things like spending and saving and borrowing and giving. And week by week, my hope for every single message is that we can weave together the biblical with the practical so that you're going to be able to leave on Sunday and put some things into place that very same week. Money 101. We're going to start that series next Sunday and I'll run through the end of the month. That is the first tier. Now, the second tier is a financial conference we're putting on in a couple weeks, and to help me talk about that, I'm gonna ask Pastor Ken to come up and explain a little more about a financial conference that we're doing a week from Saturday, you can see there January 16th, called Master Your Money. So Ken, good to have you. Hi, Dan. Um, now we've been promoting this for a little bit but I also realize that a lot of us might have kind of been in the, like the you know Christmas haze right but Holiday we're mode. into the new year yeah. so you know tell us about the conference
4: yeah we're really excited about the conference uh, master your money it's a day long conference right here at Hopevale on Saturday January 16th and it will run from 8:30 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon And we'll, just broad overview, we'll have two uh, large group sessions that will happen right here in the auditorium. And in those large group sessions, Pastor Nate and I will just do some Bible teaching on a Christian worldview of money. How should we look at money as believers? So we would just want to do some good Bible teaching on that. And then we'll have morning and afternoon workshops. And so you'll have an opportunity to choose from... Two out of 14 different workshops, and they cover every season of life, whether you're single, newly married, whether you have young children, kids in college, you're in retirement already, or you're working toward retirement, Uh, we will have workshops that cover all of that. Getting out of debt, getting together as a couple on money, uh, budgeting, getting better at giving, things like that. Uh, retirement, investing for income in a 0% world. That's, that's a big one for you who are retired. So um, 14 different workshops that you can choose from in the morning and afternoon. So uh, we're ex- excited about the conference stand. I think it's gonna be really uh, practical and helpful for people. In addition to the, the large group sessions and the workshops, we will have uh, a number of local companies, financial companies, who will be exhibiting with us in the lobby, Thrive and Financial, Merrill Lynch, Mid-Valley Insurance are an example of those. And if you want to make some connections, ask some questions. There's no hard sell, sale type thing going on there, but it's, it's informational, and it gives you a chance to take a next step if you're ready to take that next step. And so we want to provide that.
3: Great. Right. So, so, I mean, who
4: is this conference for, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the conference really is for everyone. We, right now, we have newly married couples signed up, and we have folks who are well into retirement signed up, and all of us in between. And so as we think about that, we want to we show you a video in just a moment, but one of the thoughts I had in, th- in thinking about this video is, So January 16th, we're just coming out of the holidays, winter is here, right, and it's a Saturday morning, and why get up and come to a conference like this when you want to sleep in a little bit and stay in your feety pajamas, or sweat, sweats, (laughs) your sweats, Um, you know, why get up and do this, why get up and do this, and we hope this video will help answer that question. Great. even though we got a guy, but yet, maybe um, Help
5: understand.
4: another yeah. view. Yeah. yeah, it's better than burying one over the backyard. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got that's too many much. holes back there,
5: so I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in the two foster children, you know, I mean, that's a lot more, and diapers and everything else, so we have to really make sure we budget.
6: Yeah. Oh, boy probably future college funds. <laughs> exactly. college funds.
4: Yes.
2: Yes. yes, cars, colleges, things like that to take care of them.
4: Yeah, um, um, I know we needed a few new cars. We have older cars. We've been responsible and drive the old cars, and want to pay cash for new ones. We don't want to have any debt, and so for me, that's always a big thing. We always want to try to pay as much as we can without you know paying interest and having payments. Yeah, just so you know exactly where your finances are, and you know it gives you peace when
6: you know where everything's at peace and freedom, I guess. You know. Even just looking through the list of things uh, that you guys have to offer, not only student loan debt, but uh, how to budget, how to invest your money, um, a lot of things that we're obviously young and we want to get better at it and get more knowledge in that area. So yeah, a lot of options on there. Yeah, very cool. yeah I think, uh, I, I don't think you can get enough of that because I think we're always, you know, we're always struggling. At, even when you think you're good, you're struggling. <laughs>
4: yeah. So. We can
5: have a plan, but then that doesn't always
4: happen. <laughs> I think nowadays, anything to help people with financial and just to, to give wisdom, and you know, as far as investing and retirement, all that. I think anything like that would be good, especially from a godly perspective. Now, Jesus said that money can be a stressful, tempting area of our lives. And it can choke out our fruit in walking with the Lord. Just the joy and freedom that we can have. You say this this whole month is not about giving more. That's not what this is about at all. It's about our financial health. It really is, and freedom and joy in our marriages and our families, and and the freedom and the joy to be able to give and invest in others, in our families, and mm-hmm. our communities. And that's that's really what this is. This month is about. That's what this conference is about and today I feel like a like a used car salesman but I don't mean that mm. <laughs> but uh, today uh, you can register for this conference for $25 each after today that's our early bird price and after today that that amount's going to go up just a little bit so for today you can get registered right at the adults desk you can register online you can register on the the hotel app if you'd like to do it that way so we encourage you to be part of this whatever your season of life wherever you are you can get a key question answered you can learn a new approach and something that will help to change the course of your financial life for your family's good and for god's glory so we hope you'll be a part of that
3: that's great ken and i um i know a lot of work's been been put into this and really is kind of on the magnitude i don't think we've done a lot of events quite like this so It's exciting to see how that's going to come up. And I want to keep you up here because in addition to the series and in addition to the financial conference, kind of the third tier that we have this month, our uh, financial peace classes. Now, we've yeah. offered these for the last few years and there's really, you know, they've made a difference in people's lives and they we're really doing are. that again, right? End of kind of January, Sunday nights, but doing something a little different this year, aren't Yeah, you? a little
4: different. And as Dan said, we have offered our our financial peace classes a lot for the past several years probably six or maybe seven years and many of you have gone through that course and it's been very very helpful to you a financial peace is written by the Dave Ramsey organization and Dave Ramsey actually uh, teaches in the video and think about it as a nine week financial boot camp (laughs) on saving for emergencies how to budget in a way that really works for you and then beginning to move on and build your financial life, saving for college, saving for retirement, paying off your mortgage. Imagine that, paying off your home. And then beginning to uh, build your uh, savings and be able to live and give generously. And that's really the, the plan of that course. And we've seen a lot of people help through that. And, and this year, we're going to stagger it with the financial conference. So. The financial conference is Saturday, January 16th. And then two Sundays later, January 24th, we will launch uh, two financial peace courses. And one will be right here on North Campus, kind of as per usual. And the other will be in Bay City. And many of you live in Bay City, and we wanted to give you and family members and friends an opportunity to have easy access to that course. Mm. It will be at the Doubletree Hotel in the Wheeler Conference Room in Bay City with some refreshments there as well. So uh, we're really looking forward to that. And another, another reason that we're thinking about Bay City is our pastoral staff, our elders have been on about a two-year, maybe a little over two-year journey of praying about, learning about, discerning the Lord's leading in potentially planting a Hope Vale Church site in bay city and so we've yeah we've had good <laughs> response to that so far so uh, this this course or leading this course in bay city is just one way that we want to put our toe in the water and continue to discern the lord's leading in that area so we hope you'll be a part again you can get information uh, and sign up on our website or at the adult's desk. So we we'll hope hope you'll take advantage of that as well.
3: That's great, Ken. Thank you. I appreciate that. And just, you know, it's neat. You think about the sermon series on Sunday morning. I mean, that's kind of like the, the shallow end of the pool. And then the financial conference and the class is... Uh, financial peace class. This is, you know, more the deeper end of the pool, and I think all of that, that kind of comprehensive approach is really going to speak to all of us wherever we might be at age and, and stage of life. So that's kind of our first highlight of really what's coming up these next couple months. The second one has to do with, of all things, coffee, and to help me talk about coffee, I want to bring up Kathy Davis, our welcomes ministry director who's going to tell us about some changes with coffee. So I'm going to start with just like a really basic question, OK? Why do we do coffee on Sundays at Hopevale? Beyond keeping people up during my messages, <laughs> right? So Can you yeah. hold these
5: for me for a second? Sure. Yeah, just try sure. to look good while you're, yeah. Vanna Weiss, OK. <laughs> so yeah. why do we do coffee? here at Hopeville, well, on Sunday mornings. Well, you know, we've done coffee here for quite a few years and there's a reason why. You know, all the volunteers that work so hard out there in our coffee crew and every single person that comes in early and cleans tables and brews coffee and serves you as a volunteer, every single one of them, they do it because they believe in it. They believe that we're making a difference. Is this what happens to you? Uh,
3: Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm the rookie, okay.
5: (laughs) We do it because we believe it makes a difference. Um, We do it for us. For when we come in on a Sunday morning, we want people to stick around a little longer. We want them to get in a conversation. We want you to share your life with someone. We want to create community. It's a good thing, right? We do it for us, but we also do it for them. We do it for the coworker that you're inviting, for the neighbor, for Aunt Susie, who you're bringing in for the first time, because the truth is, when they come for the first time, they're scared. They have no idea what they're going to find when they walk through that door and they're shaking in their shoes and they don't know how weird we are in here, to be honest. They don't know what's going on. So when they walk through the door, if one of the first things they see is something familiar, like coffee, they know coffee. So all of a sudden a barrier has broken down and all of a sudden we're not so different anymore, right? And maybe there's a conversation that can start and maybe they can realize that there's something here for them. So that's a good thing. So we do it for us and we do it for them. And we're we're super excited about that. So as we're chugging along doing this great thing, this difference-making thing on Sunday mornings, we're asking ourselves, how could we make it better? How can we make it better? And so um, I was talking with the elders about this about well over a year ago, and we were thinking, um, just kind of starting to ask those questions. So we did some research. So what if, what if we could keep the coffee thing and we could do it for us, and we could do it for them, but what if we could do it for them, too? And what if um, we all put in a little bit, and we could make it into something bigger and better? Because we do that here at Hoville a lot, where everybody just puts in a little bit, and it becomes something great. Mm-hmm. So turns out that we can. We found a ministry-based coffee that fits us just right and it's called Land of a Thousand Hills. And Land of a Thousand Hills is a group of people that have gone into a country of Rwanda, which is a, in the African nation, and it's in Africa, and they have suffered genocide, and they need healing and rebuilding and hope. So Land of a Thousand Hills goes there, they make relationships with coffee farmers, they pay them a fair wage, they bring relationship, they bring hope, and they bring Jesus. And guess what, we get to buy the coffee, which is great coffee. So it's kind of one of those win-win situations, and by buying the coffee from Land of a Thousand Hills, we get to support farmers and their families in Rwanda, and we get the great coffee. So I wanted to show you a little two-minute video that will give you a better picture of what Land of a Thousand Hills does.
6: Sometimes I'll receive a letter or an email that says, Jonathan, what you're doing with the farmers in Rwanda and Haiti is good, but how do you share the gospel? And I feel like replying back and saying, what you're talking about Sunday mornings is good, but how do you do the gospel? Redemption must be engaged. How we share the gospel is first and foremost engaging the work of people recognizing their God-given talents, recognizing that they have something to offer, and then coming alongside of them, teaching them how to grow coffee better, blessing them, helping to meet their needs, whether it be orphan care or housing. As we do that, we then earn the right to share the gospel. We live in a generation where there's an opportunity for us to share the gospel by the life that we live. to to feed the hungry, to to clothe the naked, to visit the imprisoned, to, to really simply act like Jesus acted. You know, we're all called to engage redemption every day. Every once in a while, God gives us something big to do. Every day, He gives us something small to do. Those small things make a difference. You can drink coffee and do good, By drinking Land of a Thousand Hills Coffee, you're forging a relationship with a farmer. You're being God's hands and feet and saying, you're worth being paid a living wage. You're worth us reaching out to you. You're worth us blessing you and saying, thanks. Thanks for taking time to grow something, to to hand sort coffee cherries, to, to pick the cherries off the trees, to process something that's part of our everyday life pretty cool to think that every morning we can drink coffee, we can think of a farmer in Haiti, think of a farmer in Rwanda, and know that through something we enjoy, we're making a difference. This next generation, the, these people who are looking to us, looking to see change, can see change in us through a multitude of things. One of those ways is by the coffee we drink. Drink coffee, do good.
3: So got to say, I love the outside these walls emphasis that this whole brings. So what does it mean for us? I mean, how does this play out on Sundays then?
5: Well, okay, so here's how it's going to work. We've got the coffee. All the volunteers know how to brew it up just right. And we actually served it up on Christmas Eve. And we got a, a lot of feedback about how great the coffee was and how much everyone enjoyed it. So starting today... We are now serving Land of a Thousand Hills coffee out in our lobby on Sunday mornings. So it might look a lot the same out there, but it's really different. So you can grab your cup, which is all out there, and grab your sleeve, because we don't want you to burn your hands off. I've gotten a lot of comments that the cups are too hot. So there's the sleeve (laughs) out there, put your cup in the sleeve, or you can bring your travel mug from home and fill her up, and then pitch in a dollar if you can, and enjoy some really good coffee. I know. I know what you're thinking right now, coffee used to be free around here and now she's sticking us for a dollar. And so <laughs> I, I, I'm I, just gonna call you out on that one because I am just gonna say we need a little skin in this game, right? Because the theme here is drink coffee, do good. If we didn't ask you to pitch in anything, the theme would just be drink coffee. And that's <laughs> what we've been doing. So we are gonna step it up a level and we're gonna ask you that when you're out there, there's some boxes, if you can, Pitch in a dollar, and we're going to try to make a difference as we all put in a little, making it to something big. So why? Why did we switch coffees? Because we're trying to be more intentional intentional about our spending for God's kingdom. We're trying to make our dollars matter more. It's as simple as that. So we're doing it for us, we're doing it for them, and we're doing it for them. So drink coffee, do good, and Enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, this is for you. We thought maybe Pastor Dan might want to wear this sometime too. So <laughs>
3: Thank you. Thanks, Kathy. Um, do you get a theme here? Do you get a theme about our lives directed and mattering for you know what it is to love God and love people? We've got this money emphasis in January. We've got this change with the coffee. And the third thing I'm just going to touch on real briefly is our February series that we're simply calling Love Your Neighbor, right? Love Your Neighbor, where we're going to learn from the Bible and talk about what it means for us as a church community of grace and truth to bring that into our own local community. You know, it's interesting that those words, Love Your Neighbor, are not only found in this greatest commandment, right, but they're also part of Jesus' parable, which maybe, you know, is most well-known of all, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus challenges us on how we need to think about and act towards the people around us, right? Who exactly is our neighbor, and what does it mean to be a loving neighbor to them? They're great great questions for us to think about, both collectively as a church and individually as followers of Jesus. Now, what excites me about this series is that we're not trying to jumpstart a dead church, Right? I mean, after all, I just announced you gave 166000 to our Christmas Eve offering where every single penny of that goes to ministering to people outside the four walls of this church, right? A lot of that ministering being done directly by you, right? So the approach isn't one of, you know, begging and pleading and guilting and manipulating. No, it's one of celebration. It's one of expectation where we celebrate what God is already doing in and through the church but also expecting God, as we look ahead with great faith at what he might have in store for us and what he wants to do, where he wants to take us in the future, that we can continue to be the hands and feet and voice and heart of Jesus to those who are right at our doorstep. And so we'll say more about that series as we get closer to February. But as I begin to wind down, I just want to close with another passage that we share a bit here at Hope Bell. Like Matthew 22 This one also has to do with love, but this one challenges us on how we can love better see i can remind you that the main thing in the christian life is to love the lord your god with everything you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself and i can also tell you about some exciting church highlights coming up these next couple months but if it doesn't stick with you if it doesn't get any traction in your life so you can make progress then you run the risk of this year turning out to be like every other year that starts with all this anticipation but eventually just turns into a bunch of frustration right and so how do you change that how can things be different? Well, look at these words from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24, verse 25. It says this, "...let us consider how we may spur one another on towards what? Towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as the habit of, are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching." That the way you stay focused, the way you keep on track when it comes to loving God and loving others is to make sure you don't go it alone, right? We need each other. We need each other to what? To spur one another on to love and good deeds, to encourage one another. Because if you think that becoming a Christian is simply a matter of having more resolve, right? Or trying harder, then you're just going to set yourself up for failure. No, the power to Christian, of the Christian life begins with the Holy Spirit in us, right? That song we just sang, right? That's where the power for the Christian life comes. But then that power is encouraged when we do things like worship together, learn together, serve together, pray together, care for each other. That's why you need to be in church regularly. That's why you need to be part of a community group. It's why you need to go to a class. It's why you need to have Christian friends, right? listen, as much as I love uh, all that we've been able to do here with our ministry online and advances we've seen with that, there is no substitute to the encouragement that we get with physically spending time with other believers, Sunday and beyond. That's why you'll often hear me say that a lot of us, especially those of us who grew up, you know, being dragged to church, right, that we need a different mindset, that coming to church shouldn't be seen as something we have to do, right? a lot of us got that growing up. You come to church so you can check off the box. You come to church so you can get that brownie point with God, right? No, coming to church isn't something you have to do. It's something you need to do, and as it changes your life, it grows into something you want to do because you understand it really is for your best. And so maybe this year, maybe the first practical step that you take spiritually is to make church more of a priority in your life, and to come here more often to be with, to be around God's people. Or maybe you're already worshiping here regularly on Sundays, but the next step you need to take is, you know, getting involved in something like a community group or a class, something like our foundations class, which is something we recommend to those who are newer to our church, whatever it is, right? Don't go it alone. Let God use other Christians in your life to spur you on to love to a higher, greater love, both for him and for others, the people around you, those he brings into your life. And by doing so, this year, we can keep the main thing, the main thing, loving God, loving people. Let's pray together. God, that is our heart, that this year, as we carry out ministry in the name of Jesus, we do it out of love. And we do it out of a love because you have first loved us. Thank you for all that we have in Jesus. That love isn't something we muster up from you, isn't something we deserve or beg or hope it comes our way. But that love is bestowed, given out, poured out on us by you. And Lord, as we are filled up with your love, it would motivate us to love you and love others more and better and well and so help us to be that kind of church this year to be those kind of people this year for the endeavors we talked about and much more that is going to be happening around here um seen and unseen we just give that to you lord would you work in us that your kingdom would come through us to this community to this world, all for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together.
0: And we want to respond, uh, proclaiming God is our only king forever. Kyle's going to help us as we lead through this song.
2: Our rock, the only solid brown, The nations rise and fall Kingdoms are strong, now shaken We trust forever in your name The name of Jesus oh, We trust the name of Jesus Thank you.
3: the name of Jesus. May that be just our marching orders as we head into the new year as a church and you in your own lives as you go from here. May the blessing of your King be upon you forever. God bless you.